Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Unfortunately, the playoffs started last night, and the Philadelphia Phillies were not a part of it. As we all know by now, the Philadelphia Phillies finished the season 81-81. and 81. And we have all kinds of questions that we need answers to. We'll dive into it all, wrap up the season, and a whole lot more. This is Philly Sedamuros, James Seltzer. It is Wednesday, October the 2nd, as we uh, reconvene, so to speak, here on Phillies today uh, at the end of another season. Unfortunately, another season without the Phillies making the playoffs. The eighth year in a row as we creep ever close to a decade without Phillies playoff baseball. And we just hope and pray that next season is the season that, you know, ultimately uh, we finally break that long streak. And we get to see Bryce Harper play in the playoffs as a Philly. We get to see JT Romito and all these guys and hopefully some new additions this offseason. But this season, the 2019 season, is over for the Phillies. And and we have a lot of questions right now. And I think, obviously, the number one question is uh, what's going to happen with the manager. It is uh, Wednesday. Gabe Kapler is still yet to be let go from his post as the Philadelphia Phillies manager. We await that decision. Uh, Obviously, um, look, Kapler, the end of the season was emotional. In his post-game press conference, uh, I think that there are a lot of reasons you can say that this was not Gabe's fault. If if you listen to the show for a while, that obviously I think there is more blame to be placed in the front office. Though it seems that there is not much of a question if if the front office will be replaced. But obviously, the Gabe Kapler situation hovers over it all as the Phillies continue to make their decision and what the decision process is. I'm assuming that the Matt Clentak is lobbying for Kapler to stay. Um, obviously uh, we will see if, if John Middleton has other thoughts, ultimately the decision comes down to John Middleton's and, uh, you know, we wait, we wait. And, um, again, you know, I don't need to, to go to my old diatribe about the Kapler situation or what I think the Phillies should do. We've, we've gone down that road enough here on this show, but, Needless to say that that uh, I had thought that Kapler would be gone. Uh, I am surprised, to be honest, that that it hasn't happened yet. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I think with every day, every hour that passes, it's it's more likely that potentially Gabe is given one more shot here in Philadelphia. But um, again, I think it is is strange that we haven't heard anything from the Phillies. There were six teams that have already fired their managers so a, a lot of teams getting out in front of it and starting the process of replacing it the Phillies not there yet and um, it's certainly fair to wonder why and to question why and to to you know not be sure of, of kind of what direction the franchise is heading in this um, but at the same time you can also make the argument that this isn't a decision that should be taken lightly. This is something that should be talked about, that should be discussed with the you know, eyes after a season is over and you're not in it anymore. So um, I'm not going to slam them for him, but I, I would like to feel that there's some direction, there's some sort of clear plan to what's happening because this isn't a really important offseason. We've talked about it a lot. We went through 
on this show the many off-season questions and storylines. Obviously, the Gabe decision at the top of the list, and obviously the potential replacements. There are a lot of names out there that have been circulating. Joe Madden, though he's been connected pretty heavily to the Angels, worked there for 30 years. Joe Girardi is out there as a potential name. Buck Showalter is a name that's been linked to the Phillies. Um, Raul Labanez, if they decide to go the route of not a former manager, is already got a uh, you know career under his belt, but someone who's, who's an up and comer like they did with Gabe Kapler, um, or they might say with Gabe, it's a really uh, you know it's a really interesting question mark. Is you know among the other ones we've talked about, we talked about well, uh, you know the Clentag Middleton situation. And, you know, I th- again, I don't think that Matt Clentag is going anywhere. I've said that pretty pretty staunchly for quite some time here, but I do think that. You know, look, this team has gone uh, from 80 wins to 81 the last two years. So I think at least um, in the eyes of John Middleton, you would think that Matt Clentak would be on a, a bit of a tighter leash than he's been in, in years past and that um, maybe there would be more, um, you know, potential for scrutiny and, and the potential to lose his job if, if things don't go the right way. Um, and then again, obviously, there are a, a, none, a ton of other things uh, that, that we have to worry about this offseason. Uh, they have to hire a scouting director. I've talked a lot about that. The idea that are they going to go with someone from already in the organization or someone from the Orioles or, or the Angels, the, the former places those guys were at, Clintac was at, or are they going to go to a smart team, the Rays, the Indians, one of those types of teams, and hire someone there who's got a proven track record of scouting and developing players, the thing that this franchise is, is so woefully behind that. That's really, if, if you know, the, the biggest indictment of the front office is when you look at this organization and how little they have coming up the pipeline to help the Major League franchise. Again, I talk about it all the time, but when you look at these teams that are in the playoffs, the, the, the high, high-end teams like the Dodgers and the Astros, they're all homegrown, team, they're all homegrown talent. I mean, they, they have tons of it. And they have more and more coming up. I mean, the Astros have the Rookie of the Year in Jordan Alvarez. That guy's going to win Rookie of the Year in the American League. You know, uh, the Dodgers bring up top 20 prospects to, to pitch out of the bullpen and, and to play a utility role. I mean, it's that's something that the Phillies um, aren't able to do. You know, there are only two guys in the system, and Spencer Howard and Alec Baum, who you can say with any sort of confidence have a chance to be an all-star at the major league level. And, and it's not even a lock. So... This organization is at a real pivotal point in terms of, you know, they've been quote-unquote rebuilding for a while. And they're going to have to, to you know, first of all, deliver results on the field as we know that that they've promised results. And, you know, they expected to make the playoffs this year. Did not. That's why there is a question about the manager and all that. Um, so there's pressure to win now, but also there's pressure to restock this farm system with, with talented players who can sustain this team into the future. And, you know, this front office has shown very little um, ability to do that so far. So hiring a scouting director who is going to come in and be able to revamp this type of um, scouting and development system that we've seen not work, especially for pitching over the last few years, I think is a really important step. And then obviously there are the player decisions, the JT Romito extension, which we've talked a ton about. Will they go all in on a Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon? More on that coming up later, actually, because there was a, a interesting quote from a, another uh, a podcast about that, something that we'll, we'll get into. But, um, you know, there are a lot of question marks. And then, of course, the bullpen and the rotation. What are they going to do? The bullpen, I mean, they have to revamp the whole thing. They got nobody. Uh, Hector Neris, Jose Alvarez. 
pray for rain. Uh, you know, so there, there's so much to get done for this franchise. It really is a, a absolutely pivotal, pivotal off season. And, um, you know, you'd like to see them kind of show some direction as a, as a franchise, uh, able to acknowledge what they did wrong and, to try and fix that moving forward while also finding a way to bring in high-end talent. Uh, you know, that's going to be imperative. If, if this team wants to try and win with this core that they have at the major league level now, at least the, the heart of it, I mean, they've got to do something to help them. I mean, Bryce Harper can't do it all by himself. JT Romito can't do it all by himself. They need real talent, especially in the pitching department. And again, you're going up against franchises like the Astros and the Dodgers who are so far ahead of you, even the Braves so far ahead of you from a talent development standpoint, from a young talent on the field already standpoint. Uh, It's just, again, the Phillies um, are in a precarious situation, organizationally speaking, in the sense that they have some talent on the major league roster, but as we saw this season, and granted, you know, yes, there's other factors at play injuries were certainly an issue and all that but not to the extent that they would want you to believe but ultimately their organization that was good enough to win 81 games this year with some injuries and some bad luck but they are so far away from these top tier organizations right now in the major league level and then the pipeline is so much more bare than them so they are really at a disadvantage and they have to do something quick and part of that and we already talked about the importance of scouting better, of developing better, of drafting better, of having a pipeline of young pitchers who can come up and pitch in, in big spots for you and all this type of stuff. Um, but, it, you know, it's also crucially important for this franchise that in addition to that scouting director, that they go out and spend money. You know, and I know that that you say, oh, they went out and got Bryce Harper last offseason. Sure. And they're going to have to pay JT Romuto this offseason. So there, there's money being thrown around. But unfortunately, with where they are, that's not going to be good enough. They have to pony up for a Garrett Cole. They have to pony up for an Anthony Rendon, someone like that. And then they have to go out and get more guys too. I mean, they're going to have to spend a lot of money this offseason to be able to compete next year at a really high level. I mean, they have to. I mean, look, you look at the lineup, and obviously that, that you know, I think that's more settled than the staff, especially if you're counting on Andrew McCutcher to come back. But, man, there's still question marks. Second base, third base, you know, is Cesar coming back? Can Kingery play there every day, which I'm sure a lot of people like to see? Gene Segura. This is something that's fascinating. There was a report that the Phillies are considering moving Segura off of shortstop, and this is someone who they're committed to through 2022. And Segura, who led the team in errors by a lot, is clearly not a good defensive shortstop, and that's a pretty important position. So I'm fine with moving him off of it, but but it doesn't seem very smart when you know you trade it for Segura as a shortstop, and now you're going to have to move him to second base potentially, which does that mean Kingery's playing short? Does that mean Kingery's playing third and you're signing a shortstop? Are you signing Rendon and putting Kingery at short? Kingery's going to be a full-time shortstop? And here's the thing. I think Kingery's actually a better defensive shortstop than Gene Segura. He just is more athletically gifted and has better range. And, you know, if he played the position every day, I think he would be a much better shortstop than Gene Segura. But it just feels like there's no plan with these guys and, and the situational 
places that they're being placed and what they're being asked to do and, and who goes where and all that. It doesn't seem like there's a plan. Like, you know, I, 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 look, if you're going to tell me they're going to sign Anthony Rendon and they're going to put Segura at second and Kingery at short, I mean, fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, I'm definitely fine with the Anthony Rendon part, but... You know, um, I mean, and Alec Baum's still coming up. Who knows? But but the point is, is that Gene Segura was traded for to be the shortstop through 2022, or at least for the next few years. And and now they're already talking about moving him off that spot. And he's obviously not as valuable to the team as thought. And, and that trade, in hindsight, is pretty funny because we talked about that Gene Segura trade as, as just a clear win for the Phillies. They were, how could the Mariners, you know, allow that to happen? And then you look at the fact they traded Carlos Santana, who was awesome this past year. Um, hit 34 home runs, I believe. Was just a, had a 400 on base percentage. Carlos Santana was a, a monster for the Indians. And J.P. Crawford, who, who at least flashed a little bit. But, um, you know, it, it, I don't know if that <laughs> trade is such a win anymore. Segura obviously has certainly been a lightning rod this season as well. Of course, the hustling and all that type of stuff. So you definitely have question marks, you know, third base, center field. What's the plan there? Is, is Adam Hazley an everyday player on a, on a championship team? I, I don't know. Maybe. I like Adam Hazley. I like what I saw. I need to see more. You know, Corey Dickerson, is he coming back? I don't think he can play center field on a, on a consistent basis at all. But is he coming back? Uh, you know, there's still a lot of question marks there. And, and then, I mean, you get to the pitching staff, and it's just – who knows what's going to happen? I mean, they have so much work to do there. You look at the pitching staff right now, and obviously, I mean, Aaron Noll is the only guy you feel good about being in the rotation next year. I am pretty sure that Zach Eflin will be. I mean, he started the year strong, ended the year strong, had that rough stretch in the middle, but really seemed to figure it out towards the end of the season and um, is someone they like uh, organizationally. I think he's got a real shot to be in the rotation. Arietta, I mean... Here's the sad thing. We all know Jake Arrieta shouldn't be in the rotation, but they're paying him $20 million, so he probably will be. I, you know, I mean, that that would be my guess. I would bet Jake Arrieta is in the rotation. I know there's a cheap option for Jason Vargas, $8.9 million or whatever. I mean, that seems like the kind of thing the Phillies would pick up. So, I mean, there's a real dangerous chance that they're going to come back with, with four of the five they had. I don't think they should or can or will do that, but there's a chance. And then again, like they, they if they're gonna go out and get Garrett Cole, I mean that's gonna cost two hundred and twenty, two hundred thirty, two hundred fifty million dollars. It's gonna be expensive as hell. It's gonna be the largest pitching contract anyone's ever gotten, I would guess. And look, he's worth it. I mean, he just had a season for the ages, you know, over three hundred strikeouts in the area in the twos, just a a dominant, dominant pitcher and I'm sure he's going to flash October, all over October to show that talent. And um, he's going to get paid a lot of money, as will Anthony Rendon. And um, that's an interesting situation. As I mentioned before, uh, on the At The Yard podcast, uh, Jim Salisbury, of course, Ivan, those guys do a good job, and Ricky Patalico. Um, Jim Salisbury actually mentioned the possibility that you know John Middleton and Scott Boris had become close. And that Boris would potentially like to funnel clients like Garrett Cole or Anthony Rendon to Philadelphia to play with Bryce Harper so that Harper could be on a winning team too. And, I mean, that would be amazing, obviously. That would be awesome. Yeah, look, uh, you know, we, we all had our, our mean things to say about Scott Boris during the whole saga of Bryce Harper, and I think a lot of people... 
you know, Scott Boris is, is uh, certainly never been um, called the, the, you know, someone you, you want to hang out with maybe, but he's certainly the best ever at his job. And he's also someone who, to be frank, wields a ton of power in baseball. So being on Scott Boris's good side is a, a really good thing. So props to John Middleton for that, but it's ultimately going to come down to John Middleton being willing to spend money. I've said this many times, but you look at a team like the Braves, if we're just going to not even talk about the Dodgers, the Strohs, the Nationals, all these teams that are, are far ahead of the Phillies in terms of talent, young talent development, their situation. Um, the one differentiator between the Braves and the Phillies, and the Braves far out in front, is that the Braves have a lot more, is that the Phillies have a lot more money to spend. John Middleton can be a big boy. He's talked about being a big boy, but he's going to have to go out and do it. You know, it's a, there's no more, um, you know, they were the 11th highest pair on baseball. That can't work anymore. They have to be top five. They do. If they want to contend, they have to be up there with the, the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Dodgers and those teams that spend money. Again, it's really the only way they can differentiate themselves from the Atlanta Braves. Because right now the Braves are far out in front. And we've seen it the last two years. The Phillies have finished 88-82 and 88-181. The Braves have won the division two, two years in a row. That's a team that the Phillies were supposedly competing with rebuilds. Like, they were like tandem. Like, we're going against each other in these rebuilds. Well, the Braves won. Now the Phillies have to do whatever they can to maintain their relevancy and to compete with these teams. And the only way they're going to do that is by bringing in guys. I mean, that's it. It's a fact of the, the situation. It just is what it is. So... Let's hope that they know that, and let's hope they're going to go out and do it because, again, the uh, the real offseason, um, the season, the future kind of hinges on it. All right, coming up next, um, I want to mention a couple guys and uh, talk about uh, one particular guy in his first year as a Philly and what we all thought of it, plus a, uh, an interesting note just about Citizen Bank Park that uh, is, is great to hear. Uh, that's coming up as well and more coming up. It's Philly today's James Seltzer. We're coming right back. We are back, Phillies today, James Seltzer, coming up in a minute, something about Citizens Bank Park that I want to mention. But first, I just want to quickly uh, mention Bryce Harper. And uh, look, the Bryce Harper experience this season was definitely early on. Uh, you know, I think um, a lot of people were, were frustrated with Harper. And um, when you look at the whole entirety of the experience, I mean, from him signing and whether media choreographed or not, um, just said all the right things. Everything a Philly fan could ever want to hear. He, he immediately ingratiated himself into the city. And then after, you know, he, the, the, the slow start, he figures it out. And he finally gets comfortable. And, you know, all the life stuff that was bugging him or this or that or whatever, all the human issues he was dealing with, going to a new city, having his first kid, all these types of things, getting a new house, living in a new place, being a leader on a team, being the you know, in a brand new place, all that stuff is tough to, to adjust to. And once he finally did, he was awesome. I mean, what a year Bryce Harper ended up having, especially considering the slow start. Ended up going 260 with 35 home runs on the season. I mean, that is that is not bad, folks. Uh, for someone who a lot of people were freaking out about, ended up a career-high 114 RBI. 372 on base, a 510 slugging, ends up with the 882 OPS. Imagine if he just had a, a even a decent start, he would have been well over 900. Um, the Bryce Harper experience was awesome. 
and I know it was a, a little rough at a moment there, but um, I don't think any Phillies fan after year one of the Bryce Harper experience can be upset. And I think that, you know, calling it now, 27 season, his age 27 season next year, I think Bryce Harper is going to win the MVP or at least be an MVP contender because he was awesome this year. And we, we even talk about the fact that he was one of the best defensive right fielders in the sport this year and uh, uh, ran the bases aggressively and played with passion and fire and, you know, kind of started to take on a leadership role in the clubhouse. I mean, Bryce Harper was awesome. And if nothing else came out of this season that's positive, we know that um, we got a special one there. And we should be really excited. He's only turning 27 next year. The best of Bryce Harper is yet to come. And we saw that over the second half of this last season. And I really believe that Harper is going to um, really be a, a true great here on this team and lead this team. And now what they have to do is they have to give him players around him. I mean, again, it's almost like a broken record, but this Phillies team has done such a bad job of putting the right pieces around these guys. Um, and and right now they have to. I mean, that's the only way that, that they can win with this core. And, and look, you love to hear that Scott Boras maybe funnels some clients this way to help Harper, and that, that would be awesome. We'll take what we can get. But ultimately, Middleton's going to be have to be willing to pay, and Klentag and the front office are going to have to make the right evaluations on other guys because this pitching staff, even if they hit Garrett Cole, isn't good enough. This bullpen, they don't have a closer. They don't have guys you can count. I mean, again, we ended the season with Mike Morton and Jared Hughes and all these guys. David Robertson won't pitch next year. Who knows with Sir Anthony Dominguez? Tommy Hunter's not a Philly anymore. Pat Neshek's not a Philly anymore. They have a lot to do. A lot to do. So, man... It's going to be an exciting offseason. There's so much to, to focus on, so much to talk about in the free agent sweepstakes. Again, the manager situation, all this stuff, and it's going to be awesome. We'll be here. We'll keep talking about it here at Phillies today um, as we we'll continue to bring you content multiple days a week as we continue to see what happens with this Phillies team. We always have high hopes here. We love the Phillies, and uh, you know we'll hope that it continues. One more note I want to mention before we get out of here as, uh, again, we'll be back tomorrow. and. The next day, talking about the situation, uh, updating the, the Kapler situation and all that stuff. But um, it was announced yesterday, at least reported yesterday, that the Phillies are going to put netting around the, uh, the uh, uh, infield, you know, the fielding out to the, the foul poles potentially. So, um, you know, so in case of foul balls, people can't get hit. And I would just like to applaud the Philadelphia Phillies for this. This is the type of thing that, that has to happen. Uh, again, I'm a big believer that, if you sit in those type of seats where there's a potential for a screaming line drive to come at you, you should be paying attention as much as you possibly can. But I understand that that it's always it's just not always feasible for people to you know pay attention. If someone if they're turning around to talk to someone for a sec, if they're putting mustard on a hot dog, if this or that or whatever. And look, let's be real. A lot of people check their phones, whether right or wrong. You know, I think that the Phillies it is smart to to protect people from themselves to protect the people around who aren't just paying attention for a second and ultimately to allow people to go sit in those types of seats and bring their kids and all that. Like, I wouldn't want to bring my kids to to seats down the first or third baseline, which is an awesome place to see a game, without netting there because it's it's dangerous, you know, and, and you have to be paying attention at all times, and sometimes that's really hard to do, especially with young kids. So um, I applaud the Phillies for, for being forward-thinking there as, as I know there's a – a large constituent of people who are like, you know, that's crazy. You're going to a baseball game, pay attention. I want foul balls. That's the way the game is. But 
Um, I'm happy that the Phillies have seen the kind of greater good here in the sense that um, it's a sport. It's supposed to be fun, and and um, the idea that someone you know could get really badly hurt by baseball is it's just worth it to put the nets up. I don't I don't I don't think that the impairing the vision or whatever else the arguments are, are worth worth. Um, worth their salt because ultimately the the downside is so much greater and it's such an easy fix so i applaud the phillies for that and uh we'll see we'll see what happens with the phillies otherwise a lot to talk about a lot to do a lot of decisions to be made and we will be here to talk about them all right here at phillies today so uh until tomorrow thank you for listening to phillies today right here on the phillies 24 7 network this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law